Transformers Nitpickers Podcast Show. I'm Paul. I'm John. And today it is episode 12 of Transformers Cybertron. It is ship. This episode was written by Gyo Yamatoya, and the last time on Transformers Cybertron, the Autobots discovered Atlantis for what must be the fourth or the fifth time in this franchise. And in this episode, we we have the tail end of the last episode. Yeah, we start up where the last one left off. The ship and everyone inside warped away somewhere, and the gray and orange Transformer we saw last time thinks this is an interesting turn of events, then transforms and flies off. Uh, Paul, see, I say black and orange, which makes this our, our blue dress, well, gold dress issue. <laughs> He's black and orange. Anyway, you're wrong, I'm right. But the important part is that uh, we cut to a whole bunch of like civilian Autobots. There's airliners, there's a submarine, there's a space shuttle, or maybe a satellite, I'm not sure which. Uh, but none yeah, of them of can find. Then, yeah, none of them can find Atlantis. But uh, Optimus insists they keep looking, and Scattershot tells Optimus that Atlantis is probably an ancient Cybertronian spaceship based on what Vector Prime told him whenever Vector Prime told him, but he can't track its energy signature. But don't worry about that, Paul. Landmine is like in the Alps or the Arctic or somewhere. He's he, it's, <laughs> It doesn't matter what he's doing. He's looking for it. It doesn't matter. Just, just acknowledge he's there. Yep, he is in Europe. But uh, yeah, they tell him return to base, and Scattershot thinks the ship couldn't have warped far. What... And then with the Decepticons, Starscream tells Megatron, I have Megaturn written down, tells Megatron <laughs> the same thing, <laughs> Megaturn, uh, the warp field wasn't charged long enough for transport a ship that massive very far, so they, they must still be kind of close. Yeah, and then that orange and black Transformer <laughs> is following them for some reason. This guy's the biggest, I don't know what the point of him is, but he, he belongs in Armada. But then Landmine drives back from Europe. Yep, he's back from the Alps. He's sorry it took so long to drive from Europe to Florida, across the bottom of the ocean, I guess. And he (laughs) says, searching by radar has given them no sign of the ship. And Scattershot's like, well, radar won't be much good unless the ship is still flying. So Jetfire suggests they just keep looking the old-fashioned way, what with it being a full moon, except half the planet would still be in sunlight. Before we get to Optimus's genius moment here, I just want to note that Landmine drove back from Europe, like you said, across the ocean floor and all that. Just call next time, buddy. You have radios. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, Optimus then figures out that uh, Pink Floyd. Well, yeah, where one of them mentions the moon, he's like, oh, well, yeah, they couldn't have gone far. They must have warped to where you wouldn't be able to see the thing and radar wouldn't detect it. They must be on the far side of the moon where it'd be hidden and... Optimus says, they were just under our noses, except they're a quarter of a million miles away. (laughs) There is, however, a very cool shot here where it's like the moon is orbiting. The the moon and the earth in the background seem to be pretty basic 3D animated spheres. And, and, And it's kind of this neat shot, the camera's panning. And then the ship, Atlantis, whatever it is, comes into view. And now, and honestly, for the rest of the episode... I don't know. The ship looked like it was hastily drawn. Yes, it is definitely not CG. Like it, no. it looks hand drawn, and yeah, like you said, it looks like sketched. It looks like they, it like the pencil thing, and they're like, all right, just throw some paint on that, and it's good enough. And, and with the lack of animation, it, like it really just will like pan across the or move across the front of the cameras that pans or tracks. But but it's it really does look like this was some kind of early like they didn't finish this and just went with the scene with what they had, or almost like this is a a background thing and they just said ah oh, fuck it let's just use that as the you know the the object of the of the frame yeah it could have been it, it, that it gives me animatic vibes like these were you know early drawings either way it doesn't look good but uh 
The kids think this is amazing that they're in space, and Bud says, now I know how the first man on the moon felt, except Apollo 8 was the first mission to do what they're doing, not Apollo 11, and yet they just flew around the moon without landing on it. And uh, Jolt explains how they got here is that the ship bent space around them until where they were and where they are now were close enough to touch. So it's kind of a neat way of explaining it. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's a wormhole. And you know what? That's kind of scientifically accurate, really. But the, the kids ask Vector Prime, why did you warp us out here? And he tells them to protect the Omega Lock, which he believes is on board. So the kids can't sense it, which is acknowledged right away. So why does he feel it's on board? That doesn't matter. Here come the Decepticons. And Lori reminds them because they're all like, oh, what do we do? What do we do? And Lori's like, isn't this thing a battleship? And was that ever mentioned before? Uh, either way, Vector Prime activates the manually activated automatic defenses, and now the kids can hear the Omega frequency? Yeah, yeah. so they're going to search for the Omega key green orb map while this big battleship thing holds off the Decepticons and I guess keeps them busy. Yeah, and I wondered, is this a Macross, uh, the first of many Macross or Robotech references right here? Because Jolt hopes reconfiguring the ship into battle mode doesn't rip it apart after all this time. I have no idea. What the hell was that? Yeah, that's the sound for when John doesn't get Paul's references right there. That's the sound? That's the sound. Uh, that's a kind of a dumb sound. Anyway, I didn't get that reference. Um, we mentioned how half-assed the animation of the ship looks, and it, it continues here. The, the transformation is really just, you know, moving panels. There's no real movement. It's just, you know, two things moving apart, both panning across. It's not even like transforming like the, the SDF-1 where it actually reconfigures into a completely different shape. It's just guns popping out, like turrets turning around and panels opening. It's it's really... Why are they worried this is going to rip the ship apart? Yeah, really? So uh, then Thundercracker is the first Decepticon to approach and he gets blasted. Well, yeah, I wonder if that's another reference just where that first Centrati ship moves in and then the main gun fires on him and just destroys it. And Brita is like, all right, everybody else move in, but be careful. Yeah, I don't know. But then Starscream approaches, and right away, he takes out a couple turrets. Yeah, because he says something about how, thanks, Thundercracker, you're an idiot, but at least you show me what I need to look out for. So he just evades all the things and blow, destroys one of them. And inside the ship, the kids hear this and uh, as they come to a fork in the road, and they think the sound is coming from the left. And then Vector Prime pulls out his sword, which glows when he points it down that tunnel, and he's like, the sword agrees. So... That means you have a means of detecting the sound. And why the fuck do you need the kids? Yes. It's like just the sword works. <laughs> Jesus. Like a dowsing rod. Is... What do they call that thing? So back outside, though, Megatron, uh, he, he's the one who blasts his way in through the, like, a wall of the ship and actually gets inside. Yeah, he says something like, ha, ah, child's play. And it, was that a commercial break there? I don't know, because it does it again very soon. And when we come back, if we left it all, Starscream finishes off the last of the turrets, but now here come the Autobots. Yeah, they, they fight for a little bit. But Optimus is quick to realize that this fight outside, it's really just a distraction for Megatron to mess around and get the orb key map green thing inside. And and then the uh, orange and black Robo uh, Robo Transformo. God. <laughs> I his new guy. <laughs> yeah, new guy. Anyway, he shoots Starscream. Yep. And Jetfire and Landmine that get in behind him that say something to Starscream. And this guy's like, I wouldn't thank me yet. And then he uses his cyber key. And what he does, his symbol changes from Autobot to Decepticon. And then he attacks the Autobots that are there and then transforms and flies away. Yeah, he doesn't even say anything. It's like, what the so hell? 
What was the point of all this? Yeah. If, if, if your whole thing is that you can convince Autobots you're an Autobot, but you're really not, you just blew your cover before they yeah. even found out your name. <laughs> but either way, Optimus blasts his way into the ship, and he has to find the kids. And with the kids, they're in a room where the Omega frequency is really loud, and Jolt tells them it's because they found the Omega lock. For what it's worth, I, I thought the commercial break was after um, the orange and black new guy flew away. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I have a question mark down there. But anyway, yeah, Optimus is inside, and they ki- Vector Prime the kids, and the, oh, this is, he's like, we're here, we're at the place. And they're like, okay, where is it? He's like, oh, there's two more steps. First, I'm going to push this button, and he does. And then these, like, three, he calls them pedestals, but they look like cubes on a portal. That, that's what I called them. I have the weighted companion cube from Portal. Six of those come out of the floor, and they're conveniently sized. You can't play the sound now, can you, Lou? <laughs> ha! conveniently sized for humans and minicons so i get there's that but yeah they stand up and so they have to put, get on a pedestal and push it at the exact same moment for the omega lock to appear and all i can think is what is the point of this security system if we'll call it that well yeah we're gonna get to that believe me but uh, when they do this thing just appears at the I called them stairs, sized for an Autobot, and Vector Prime says there's one more step to release this thing, but uh, they're not going to get to that because now Megatron is here. Uh, yeah, he grabs the thing, yoinks it <laughs> right out of the air, kind of gave me a chuckle. And that sets, like, all, all of a sudden, yeah, red lights start going off, and that sets off the security system. Well, it's the self-destruct sequence, they call it. Oh, yes, you're Megatron's right. like, yeah, yeah, that's great. I won't be here by then, but I'm going to lock you in so you have a front row seat, something like that. But then Optimus smashes his way in through the ceiling. So without Optimus, Megatron would have got away because Vector Prime was kind of just standing there going, oh, you'll never get away with it. But this is a pretty shitty self-destruct security system. If you can steal the thing and escape, and then the ship blows up. (laughs) But uh, Megatron jumps at Optimus, but Optimus just kicks him back and tackles him into the wall. This was a good fight. That kick was great. Great slow-mo shot with it, too. Well, it's like an inside-outside roundhouse kick, if you know what I mean, dear listener, if you study any kind of martial art with kicks of all the karate, taekwondo, that kind of thing. But he, uh, Vector Prime's gonna help him, and he's like, no, you get the kids out. I know I bemoan Optimus a lot in this series, especially for saying, no, this fight's mine. But this is good Optimus stuff. He says to Vector Prime... Yo, this is an example of, like, it really is important. Get the kids the hell out of here. The ship's gonna explode, or they're gonna get squashed by me and Megatron fighting. This is no place for them. And he promises that he'll get the Omega lock back no matter what. Uh, so the kids get in their minicons and they all flee with Vector Prime. Yep. The Autobots watch the ship start to blow up and back inside Optimus forms super mode and he and Megatron dodge each other's attacks. But then Optimus just bullseyes them, which makes Megatron drop the Omega lock. So then they come together. They get in another one of those grapples where they're like the old timey wrestling grapple. And there's a great line here. that made me laugh. Megatron says, you'll never defeat me. And Optimus replies, that's all I ever do. (laughs) I I laughed out loud. That's a good line. But uh, Vector Prime manages to outrun the explosions and gets out into space where he and the other Autobots just float there waiting for the ship to explode, I guess, rather than move to a safe distance. But (laughs) uh, back inside Optimus and Megatron are all set for round two. They run at each other and punch fists, which causes a light to start shining between them. And then the entire ship explodes and everybody's dead. The end. Out of the fire, oh, Optimus shows up, and of course, he's he's got the Omega Lock. It's, I honestly thought, Paul, that Megatron would somehow get this, because the Autobots do not have a lot of luck in this series, but Optimus has the Omega Lock. And Starscream and Thundercracker were watching this, too, and Thundercracker can't believe Megatron's blown to smithereens or whatever he says, and Starscream's like, 
it happened, man, deal with it. And they retreat through a portal. So we go to Optimus, who offers the uh, Omega Lock to Vector Prime. And Vector Prime reaches out and has like a vision of the Beasted Bodicons, whatever they're calling them. Well, yeah, I have it down that when he touches it, a beam of light flies off into space. And we see another object light up. And then we see that it's inside the building on Velocitron that Megatron tried to break into. So is this the Planet Cup? And then a beam of light flies from Velocitron to Earth. Okay, I didn't get any of that. Lou, maybe you should play the sound. But, um, anyway, <laughs> we go to Red Alert, who who calls into Optimus with news, and he he almost pulls that you should come, you need to come see this. But it's like, dude, you're on another planet. Just tell me what it is. Well, yeah, exactly. But eventually, he gets like it's about hotshot. But then the signal cuts out. Optimus says he and Landmine will see what's going on with Red Alert and Hotshot and everybody else go to bed. But the <laughs> kids want to come too. And once again, the Autobots, this time Vector Prime, tells them, no way, you're way too important to bring along until we know good and damn well that it's safe. You know what? I'm all for that. It really just means less kids in the show. But yeah, Optimus Prime, Vector Prime, and Landmine, they jump. Uh, hey, they all rhyme. Uh, anyway, they go through the space bridge to Velocitron. <laughs> They get to the Omega Lock and luckily have enough people and Transformers to activate all the switches, and lo and behold, there it is, and you'd think that'd be enough, but nope. Even though there's been exactly zero security since they come in from the airlock, now it's time to enter the security code. Isn't it a little late for that? When Indiana Jones goes after stuff, all the snakes and darts and bottomless pits and shit happen long before he gets to the treasure. Why aren't there any defenses before they get to the Omega Lock? Either way, Megatron sets off the self-destruct sequence, and when the smoke clears, both Optimus and the Omega Lock are fine. Not a scratch, neither one of them. What kind of pissant self-destruct system is that, that the ship itself blows up, but the beings that set it off are perfectly fine? It's like Daffy Duck's disintegration pistol. Oh, would you look at that? It disintegrated. Now, now Megatron did say before that the real Omega Lock wouldn't be easy to destroy, and it is Optimus Prime. He and Megatron always get a vibe when it comes to shit like this with me. But what if it did work as intended and destroyed, or at the very least scared off whoever tried to make off with the Omega Lock? Well, now the Omega Lock is completely undefended, you friggin' idiots. It's like they say, man, the second mouse gets the cheese. Anybody can walk up and take it. You might have to look a little harder to find it, because who knows where to be after the ship blew up. But there's no need to bring six friends along anymore. No security codes, not a god. Here we are at the end of another episode of the Transformers Nip Pickers Podcast. Show this episode was ship. Paul, what would you not ship out? Uh, I thought it was all right. I wouldn't say it was great, but it was okay. Like the fight between Megatron and Optimus was really good. I like that, especially. It seemed like this was the first time Optimus really had the advantage. Like he just lays into Megatron, gets him against the wall, and everything. Yeah, yeah, that was a good fight. Of uh, the line, "You'll never defeat me." That's all I ever do. That was really good. Like that, it Optimus definitely controlled that fight and he owned it. But aside from that, there was not a lot I liked. I kind of liked all the. Robotech Macross references, whether they were references or just similarities that I'm seeing that weren't really intended, but like they find an alien ship, the thing was built to defend something inside it, the ship has its own defenses that fire on an approaching enemy, like the Thundercracker moved in, and the rest of the Decepticons take note of that and move in more carefully, then they, they all worry that transforming the ship into battle mode might rip it apart. Like, there was a lot. How that... does it know? How does the Boeing know? <laughs> oh, anyway, the, the next episode Paul and I are going to review is heroes, and you want to see a couple heroes, not zeros. Do you remember that, oh, what was that show, Ultra Force? 
In the 90s? Do you remember the era of, like, the X-Men cartoon in the 90s? Um, my brother loved that cartoon, and I don't think I ever watched a whole episode. Oh, it's on Disney+. Plus. It's great. Hey, dear listener, go on to Disney+, Plus and watch, watch it. It's such a good cartoon. And it, you know what? With its its uh, undertones of, like, segregation, it's, it's an important show to watch nowadays. But uh, around that era, there was a cartoon named, I think, Ultra Force. And they had the Seems dumbest... familiar. They, yeah, they had the dumbest theme where I, all I remember is the cartoon opened with, they're heroes, not zeros. I'm like, uh, <laughs> ye doth protest too much. Um, anyway, I, I, we're still signing out here. So the, the next episode is Hero. Uh, you can some, 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 something, uh, email the podcast, transformersnitpickers at gmail.com. Yeah, make sure you rate and review us in your podcast app, whatever it is you listen to us with, whatever you listen to David Bowie with, and tell all your friends, tell everybody you know. You can listen to old episodes of the Transformers Nitpickers podcast show, and you can be a hero. Uh, transformersnitpickers.podbean.com Until the next episode, keep on transforming. We'll see you later. Make a turn.